All right. Good morning. Welcome again to Chester Christian Church. We are blessed this morning to have two of our missionaries with us uh, to talk about what's happening in uh, the parts of the world where they're serving. The first uh, is David and Barb Kalp. They met as students at Johnson Bible College, and they married after David graduated. David then went on to get a master's in New Testament theology from CBS. Uh, David taught for many years in Ghana Christian College in Accra, Ghana, uh, for 30 years. And then um, he was called to, to, start the, uh, to go to the mission field, and uh, he was the first, uh, first missionary uh, to uh, lead into northern Ghana uh, in 1991. Uh, very possible that the word would not be in northern Ghana if it wasn't for David and Barbara. Uh, their missions ministry is called Training Tomorrow's Leaders. Their uh, ministry has, I had in my notes, 85, but I believe it's 86 now church, uh, churches with uh, approximately 30. Uh, Barb has been with David uh, throughout the missions career and field. And, uh, I, again, I, I would tell you the jobs she's done, but it would take the whole time to, to list them. Uh, so, uh, but she does say that the, the most uh, Fulfilling and rewarding one was the raising of their three sons or three children and the five grandchildren that they have now. So let's uh, give David a, a warm welcome. Uh, good to be with you here today. Uh, I'm David and my wife, uh, Barbara, uh, 44 years. And uh, we spent uh, 30 of those years in Ghana. Uh, in uh, two different places, uh, and then uh, uh, had a heart attack uh, in 2011, and the doctor said, no, you, you can't go back there if they don't have good medical facilities, and uh, unfortunately told my wife that, and so uh, we're now uh, supporting a young man I knew since he was five years old, uh, uh, he's Austin. He is now 31. His wife, Amanda, and uh, they are uh, both very, very talented people. Uh, he represents, replaced us on the field uh, after my second heart attack. And Austin, uh, uh, I've known since he was five years old. He's clever. I said, I'm going to keep my eye on this fella. I paid for his school fees all the way through high school. Uh, he was a very good student. He had a very good personality, and he had a very good work ethic. And so uh, I uh, sent him to Ghana Christian College. That was, uh, that was the big decision in his life because uh, the secular fields were so appealing to him uh, but he came then uh, after he had done an internship in the country of Niger, I sent him to uh, CBS. They called and said, uh, let him stay. We'll give him a full uh, scholarship because he's clever. <laughs> and uh, so I said, okay. And so he got his Master of Divinity, graduated with honors. Uh, Amanda, his wife, uh, started out in California. That's where she was raised. 
I went to school at Ozark uh, in children's ministry and missions. Uh, uh, she got a job teaching children's ministry at uh, Plainfield, Indiana, just south of Indianapolis. Uh, and uh, when we were there, we spent a month uh, with them, and we visited uh, 30 congregations uh, that they worked with. We, we, couldn't, we couldn't visit them all. We traveled 2,500 miles over some of the worst uh, roads in the world, have to be, because I can't imagine some worse uh, than those. Uh, and when uh, we were done, uh, I said, this, this lady has what it takes to be a missionary wife. And she uh, was very good. We had meals. I ate better over there, no matter where we were in the middle of bush or anywhere, than uh, I ate at home. And I, I, I told her she didn't have to do that, but she did. Uh, we visited eight languages uh, and uh, groups. Uh, can you see where the arrow is on the, on the map of Africa? That's where Ghana is, and we work also in the little country, sliver of a country to the east uh, of uh, Ghana in the country of Togo. Okay, uh, training tomorrow's leaders, we have five, uh, four uh, main categories, uh, emphasis of our work. Uh, church planting is number one, and we uh, emphasize that each of the fellows need to be planting at least one new church every two years, uh, and they've done more than that, uh, actually. Uh, but it's hard to find the people uh, that can be trained up to take their place while they start a new congregation. So that's the main prayer need there. Uh, training and discipleship. And Austin holds training sessions uh, on a regular basis, traveling uh, the whole uh, area uh, with uh, 20-some different language groups. Uh, and we also work in community development and children's ministry. Uh, Church planting, uh, the 1040 window, which is inside the box, that's where nearly all the unreached people groups of the world are. And that's where the literacy rate is the lowest. Uh, and so uh, we, we are just in the bottom of that, and that's where we found in Ghana the unreached peoples, and uh, we were planning to move there uh, when I had the heart attack. Uh, the photo at the bottom are uh, some, not all, some of our church planters uh, and uh, preachers who, who work there. Uh, and by God's grace, uh, we, we work among several different language groups. Here are some pictures of some of our churches. Uh, we have a few that are nice church buildings, concrete block buildings, nice trusses, uh, and a nice roof. Uh, some, several in fact, meet under trees, like the one in the upper right. Uh, some have mud buildings, and normally these people are so poor if they can get the mud building up. I mean, if they're so lazy, they won't put the mud building up, they're not getting a roof. <laughs> but if they do, 
and they truly are poor. We try to put a roof on it uh, for them, uh, buy even some bags of cement so they can plaster it, and it won't come down the first rainy season. In the bottom right, the, the uh, picture there is a grass church building. Uh, we had sent a block machine there. They had built some blocks, but they never got uh, the building put up. Uh, and so I said, no, uh, not, don't have money right now. They said, okay. So they put up this grass building. My favorite one is the one right in the middle. Uh, it is uh, on the roots of a baobab tree. And they just go different levels, just spread out. And so you go there and get your uh, favorite seat. Uh, this I call the, the widow's church because it has so many widows in it. Uh, we started uh, uh, grass weaving because that's their profession for the most part, uh, business for them, and so uh, they're doing that and uh, very thankful. Our evangelists are terrific men. Uh, I could tell you stories about every one of these, but we have uh, seven evangelists. We have just taken on another one for working in the city just of Tomale uh, itself, which is by far the most Muslim city in Ghana, uh, where 85% are Muslim, and we're working there. But these fellas, uh, I could tell you about their conversion, uh, their work, everything, but don't have time. Uh, they're just doing a great work. Training and discipleship, which is the second uh, emphasis of our mission, uh, we have training programs, which is the top picture there, uh, where uh, uh, teachers from Bible colleges will come, uh, or preachers will come, and we'll have uh, sessions where we train uh, everyone in either a Christian doctrine or an evangelistic method. And then at the bottom is a picture of uh, uh, one preacher trying to train uh, local leaders and workers in the church uh, to do their ministry more effectively. Uh, community development uh, is important, and uh, whether it's put, distributing children's clothes, uh, whether it's uh, weaving, whether it's trying to supply water for a village, a well, uh, in the north is very dry, and uh, a well normally costs about $5,000 uh, to drill one. So we, we have a lot of uh, projects we do help with like that. Uh, and last of all, children's ministry. Uh, when, from the time we first moved there, the population grew from four and a half million people to up around 25 million people. You need to understand, having children uh, socially, it's just a very important part of being uh, married, is to have children. And as a result, there's just, it's, uh, children are everywhere. And you can see in the pictures, uh, they're very, they're very, they're everywhere. Amanda, that's her main focus uh, I would say, uh, is training the ladies and uh, showing them how to do children's ministry. And there she is teaching some children for the first time how to use crayons. They've never seen crayons before, and uh, 
she had a hard time getting them to stop coloring their picture so that they could finish the lesson. But uh, she, she uh, has a lot of crayons anyway. We had uh, 797 baptisms last year. That's just in our congregations we work with uh, in the north of Ghana. Uh, the year before, we had almost 1,000, so I don't know why we fell off so much uh, last year. Uh, we're hoping to regain the momentum again. Uh, this is a time when most baptisms take place because it has started to rain, and so they can find water holes and so forth uh, to baptize the people in. Uh, the, okay, we're moving on. The uh, true new church in Tomale, uh is... Uh, Mostly, it's kids from Christian ham families who have come from the outer regions into the city of Tomale. Uh, the city of Tomale is by far the most Muslim uh, place in Ghana. Uh, and the, we have Muslims visiting the church as well. We only have about 30. Been in operation on just a little over a year, uh, and we're, we're happy. The man, the picture right in the middle is uh, Moses uh, and his wife, Abigail, uh, their first two children. They now have another little one, uh, but he is the evangelist there. Uh, now, the thing is, these fellows who come from the south of Ghana to the north, it is, it is like being in a different country for them because the, the north just does not have many churches, uh, and... We have 67 different languages in Ghana, so to, they don't, just don't know any of them. Uh, like Austin knows seven languages uh, besides Greek and Hebrew, but he doesn't know uh, any of these northern languages. Uh, so, uh, and then the large mosque, when I was up there the last time, every country over in the Middle East has sent... Uh, money there to build a big mosque. And so there is a great competition <laughs> for, to uh, convert the people and make them uh, part their particular brand of Islam. Uh, and every morning, you know, get, get blasted uh, with the call to prayer before I normally get up. Uh, work teams are always welcome, but uh, please don't go uh, until... You know, Austin, you've talked to him, and you have an assignment of what you will do. If you're just visiting, you can go around while Austin is teaching, if you just want to do that. If you're a preacher and want to preach, uh, you'll get plenty of opportunity to do that. Uh, so uh, just, just contact Austin about that. Uh, and last of all, we want to show you the gifts we got. Now, it's embarrassing. Here you are among a people who don't have anything. I mean, and they're giving you gifts like this. Uh, this is expensive if you want to buy it. This thing weighs eight pounds. And yet, in the hottest part of the country where it gets to 120 degrees, they wear these. I, I never have figured it out, but uh, that's, that's the culture. Uh, we got that. We got the hats uh, the, from the widow's village where they weave the hats uh, the yams, chickens uh, that was given to us, most of those we gave away to the evangelist as soon as we, we just didn't have room to haul all those. Barbara got a very nice basket, and that uh, 
that dress she's wearing in that picture, uh, all of these were gifts for you, and we want you to understand that. They're saying thank you for sending the gospel to us. And uh, they made the sacrifice to give us those gifts, and I'm happy to wear it for you uh, because you can gain a good 40 pounds and the thing still fits. You know, it's, a, it's great. But thank you. Thank you, David. The next uh, missionary we're going to hear from is Eldon Potts. Uh, he graduated from Ozark Bible College. Uh, he's been in the mission field for 38 years. Uh, he's been dedicated to Christ to the Nations ministry since 1979, uh, with uh, his focus being the Philippines. He's been spent many, many uh, years there as well as here in the U.S. Sue is his wife. I don't see where... <laughs> okay, she froze. Okay, all right. But uh, his wife Sue was with him. They've been traveling around since 1985 around uh, the U.S. world uh, for the, the missions. There are 50 preachers in the Philippines that are part of this ministry. We uh, at Chester uh, supported two um, of their uh, evangelists up until recently. We're, we're supporting one right now. Uh, the second one, uh, he went home to, uh, to be with the Lord. And so uh, we're, we're looking at that, uh, what we're going to do there. Uh, but please, let's welcome Eldon Potts. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. That, what you was talking about at the last, David, made me stop and think. Uh, it doesn't matter what third world countries you're in. They're the most humble people in the world, and they don't have a thing. But they are so humble. Uh, I went to the Philippines in 1980. Incidentally, I've been coming to this church since before this building was ever here. Probably 30 years, probably close to it, maybe even a little more. And it's nice to see all the new faces as well as some of the old ones. Uh, we started... I went to Philippines in 1980 by myself, and uh, Sue didn't go with me till 1984. But the first trip there, I, I discovered something that just really uh, was a burden to me, and that is they had five Bible colleges there, and they were graduating people from those Bible colleges. But because of being a poor country, uh, inflicted with poverty, uh, these guys were having a trouble making a living. I, the last statistic I had in the Philippines, and this wasn't 1980, this was recent, uh, was the average salary was $5 a day uh, and 65% unemployment. So uh, these preachers would graduate and they'd go out to work in uh, churches. And uh, it, it doesn't, it's not hard to figure out when it comes to offering in churches not that they don't give, and not that they want to give and will give, but when you, when you have nothing to give, 10% of nothing is nothing, pretty easy to figure out. So we decided to start helping them uh, as best we could, and that's where our involvement was at first. I uh, started traveling. Uh, some of you have asked about, I've got some CDs out there, and you're just wondering, what's this got to do with missions, you know? Well, since uh, 1977... 
uh, I've been traveling and doing gospel southern or country gospel concerts, and with the proceeds I promotes the work. We live here. We go to the Philippines for three to four weeks every year uh, and do what we can there. But since 1980 and our uh, wanting to help those preachers, a lot of involvement in other areas have transpired. We partnered with Filipino with a Christian school. Uh, we've worked with two orphanages. We do a lot of medical help, and feeding and clothing uh, the needy, and construction work. Just last January, uh, we had a group of 10. Sue and I had a group of 10 with us, and we went and we constructed a church building that last uh, November, October of 2013, uh, it was destroyed uh, by an earthquake. And incidentally, on that group of 10 guys that we had that built that church, there were four from the, church, from the state of Virginia. And uh, we worked them hard, and uh, they were blessed when they left there. And, uh, but one area this morning I, I just want to concentrate on, not what CTN does as a whole. I just want to concentrate on just one area, and that is supporting the, uh, the Filipino preachers. The guy there with the ladies, that's Nemesio Carbonella. Uh, as John mentioned, the one you had supported for a number of years, uh, went to be at the Lord last year. But just prior to that, about a couple of years or so, I don't know, you all started helping Nemesio. The lady in red, that's his daughter, Love, the lady right beside him. That's Terry, his wife, lady on the right side, the green. And that's his daughter, Rachel. Uh, you don't go around asking ladies how old they are, so I, all I can do is guess. I'm going to say Rachel's probably 32 and Love's probably uh, 33, I don't know, but uh, neither one of them are married. Rachel, the one in the green, came to the United States, went four years to St. Louis Christian College, and then went four years to uh, Cincinnati and got her master's, and, and she was eight years in this country without seeing her mom and dad. They couldn't come to her and she couldn't go to them because of restrictions with the government and things. That's quite a sacrifice. They, uh, they have a Christian school there. The next picture will show their, their logo. It's called Ictus Christian Academy, and both Love and Rachel, uh, Terry works for them in some capacity, but both of the girls are actually in charge of the school. And instead of... Uh, wanting to go off somewhere, and it's a very small community. Instead of, Sue and I really respect them because instead of, at their age, wanting to go off somewhere and find them a man, get married and have kids, they're more interested in the education uh, of these kids that uh, they're working with there. And so they're both working uh, for no, no salary. When we go there every year, we visit them, and we'll have, uh, in this case, we have hot dogs. Uh, we've had everything under the sun that we share with them. In this case, it was hot dogs and mac and cheese. And not only the kids, but next picture show, even the teachers enjoy it. Because uh, a lot of them, uh, th this was a luxury for uh, hot dogs and mac and cheese. Their, their diet is rice and fish, and rice and fish, and rice and fish. So this was a real treat. Next picture will show the kids, we always have ice cream for them. The last account we had... Uh, I don't remember how long ago it was, but uh, ice cream was $8 a gallon there. So they don't get ice cream uh, very often. And so when we go there, we just, in, in all essence, we just try to spoil them a little bit while we're there. 
and uh, the Lord gives us an opportunity to do that. But Nemesio's real calling is he's a church planter. And I'm going to call him a church planter extraordinaire. Uh, when Nemesio was a young man, teenager, when he accepted Christ, his father put a knife to his throat and threatened to cut his throat if he didn't deny Christ. He didn't do it, and he became a Christian, and his dad is now an old man older than this old man, and he still hasn't accepted Christ. We preached in a village, or had a giveaway program at village just not very long ago, where we give all the kids in the, in the village a, a new set of clothes and candy and dolls and everything. And that particular village, Nemesio went there to visit one time, and there was no Church of Christ there. And the leaders in the, in the town escorted him to the top of the hill, and they said, don't you come back. And Nemesio went back. The next time he went back, they escorted him to the top of that hill, and somebody shot a pistol over his head, and we said, we're telling you, don't come back or we'll kill you. But Nemesio went back, and we now have a church of Christ in that village. Nemesio, on the island of Boho, where they live, he has started uh, 16 churches. And uh, I think the next picture probably will show me uh, or show where I preached there uh, last January at this congregation here. Last uh, January of last year, uh, we went and we, we bought rice and food and all kinds of foodstuffs because they'd had that terrible typhoon and a terrible earthquake. So we did a benevolent minister of, of furnishing them with foodstuffs. And I told them, SEO, we always went to Church of Christ to share, but I said, Take us to two places where they don't have a church. I mean, this was in the boonies, up in the mountains, middle of nowhere. And we went to two locations up there, and uh, it, it was amazing. They were so hungry, not necessarily for the food for their stomach, but they were food. Uh, I didn't share this in the verse. I'm going to take about a, two minutes and share this right here real quick. We gave them their food things, and then I preached to them, 10 minutes. And I told them the good news. And then I said to them, the problem with the good news is there's bad news. And the bad news is, if you die without Jesus, you'll, you'll be in hell for all eternity. And then I said, but you don't have a preacher to come here and tell you the good news. And I said, I'm going to do everything in my power to see that you get a preacher here to give you the good news every week. In 35, well, over 40 years in ministry, I never had the results from a crowd as I did when I said that to those people. They were hungry for the gospel. When we left there, I told Nemesio, you need to start church there. Three months later, he had two churches started in both of those locations. The guy standing up there on the porch with the uh, microphone that's Alfie. He's the preacher there. Nemesio starts the churches. Then he'll go and find a preacher and bring them in. And then our ministry will support that preacher uh, in, in preaching the gospel. It didn't stop there. Next picture should be a map. Uh, that In the center there is a, a map of Camigan. Now, the island of Boho, just below that, is the island of Camigan. It's a resort island. They have hot water 
springs and cold water springs and waterfalls and mountains and you name it, they've got it. So it attracts a lot of tourists. And so he had a burden to start churches there. He and his wife, about an hour and a half, probably boat ride, they, they'd go down and they'd travel to the different villages and they would pray, or not villages, but rather the towns, the metropolitan areas. And they would stop and pray for that town. And so he has started churches there. Uh, one picture, I think next one shows where he, uh, oh, I, I always forget this, left it out in the other two. First thing he did when he got there, he got involved in a prison ministry. And I had the opportunity to preach in that prison last January. And I, I, those guys were a blessing. They were no drinking, no smoking, no cussing, and no dope in that jail. I said, you're kidding me, aren't you? He said, no. And, boy, they were great. But he got, uh, this is the first place where they had a church. And uh, I, I preached there on Sunday morning, and then we left to go to another island. And his wife and two daughters stayed there. Now, where I'm taking that picture, behind me was the house. Sue and I saw one look at that house, and we said, this will never go. They can't stay here. And that night, they had a terrible storm go through there, and we got a call at 6 o'clock the next morning, and it blew the roof off the house. So they had to move. So that, that was one church that fell through. Next picture is, just shows it. Uh, we had some camera malfunctions, and I didn't get some pictures of where they're meeting, but this is in front of a church, a house, and the preacher lives in the house, but it's big enough to where they have a church there, and they'll have them hanging in the windows and, and sitting uh, on the porch. But when he went there three, three and a half years ago or so, no Church of Christ there, and he started three churches there uh, since that time. And uh, the last one they started... They've been evicted twice because they found out after they rented it and they began to worship in there and they heard them singing and heard them preaching, they, they evicted them. And so uh, right now, when we were there in, in uh, January, I think next picture shows a piece of property. Uh, I, I said, if you're going to be evicted everywhere you go, the best thing we can do is buy a piece of property and, and then build a church. And so... We found a property when we were there, and uh, we've paid about four thousand, between four and five thousand dollars on it, and it cost fifteen thousand. So we're still owe about ten thousand on it. We're hoping to raise those funds, pay for that off, and when we pay that off, and when we do, we're going to bring the Messio to the United States and let him travel and try and raise the funds to build the church building. And I will do my best to work it out to where that man of God will be here uh, to stay with you. Last picture here shows uh, two of the guys on two of those three preachers on that island had no transportation whatsoever, trying to do their, their pastoral work and their Bible studies and everything. And so while we were there, uh, we bought each one of them a new motorcycle. And uh, you talk about a happy camper, that's two happy campers right there. If you're wondering... They run about $1,400 a piece there, and so we try to do that whenever we can. I, I, I just want to say thank you for, for your support for years, uh, and, and I want you to know that every dime that you give, none of it goes for my salary, none of it goes for gasoline or any travel expense. Every dime that this church gives 
goes directly to Nemesio. It helps pay those preachers' rent and their salaries, and, and it, it helps uh, buy the property. And it just, it just uh, uh, and, and it keeps him from having to take any money from his designated money on, on, in his work on the Isle of Behold. He doesn't have to spend any of that. So in essence, you're helping him on the Isle of Behold too. And so uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, I've always said, thank you, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Thank you doesn't seem enough, but until something better comes along, that's all we can say. Thank you, and God bless you. A um, little interesting uh, fact about Mr. Potts here is um, he actually indirectly had a hand in shaping who I had become even. Uh, you see, in 1989, uh, my parents went with, a, went with him on a short-term missions trip to the Philippines. And um, because of that trip, they became missionaries to the Philippines. And uh, so I spent some time over there as they were getting, uh, as they were getting started in their work, and, um, and so uh, seeing and hearing about all the things that are going on over there uh, is a lot like, uh, a lot like home. Uh, yes, sir? All right, yeah. So uh, if, in case you didn't hear, he said that, uh, Aaron, we might be looking at the possibilities of doing something over there. So if you might have some interest in going over there to see the work. Brothers and sisters, I am just, I'm encouraged, and I hope that you are too this morning. Um, you know, as we come to, uh, here to our time of communion, um, I'm encouraged to hear about the work uh, that's, that of, of the, the word of the Lord that's being spread uh, around, the, around the world, and, uh, and I hope that it encourages us. Um, you know, as we come to this time of communion, um, I, I think it's important first that we think of the unity that we have with our brothers and sisters all over the world. Um, we have this one common bond, this, this, this faith in Jesus Christ that unites us all together. But I hope that we are encouraged uh, to, to do more even in our own communities um, and that we, are, that we, we have this boldness to, um, to share the gospel as we have come out of this series over the past eight weeks of I Heart My Community, being in love with your community. Are you that in love with your community that you would spread the gospel to them and share what you have, that faith that you have in Christ Jesus to them. And so I, 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 just, I was thinking of these words this morning, and I just want to share them with you as we, uh, as we come to our time of communion. It's uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and it starts in verse 14. And Paul writes, he says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. So this morning, as we, uh, as we partake of the communion, as we remember Jesus' broken body that was broken for us, and his shed blood that is a representation of the, the blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, 
I just would like for you to pray uh, during this time. Uh, maybe there's some people that you know in your life, in your community, that need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just would like for you to pray for them during this time uh, as we reflect on, on our relationship on, with Christ, with our brothers around the world, and what people need to know about who Jesus is. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you so much for making a way for us uh, through Jesus Christ and for sending him to this earth to, to suffer and to die in our place, that we can have hope of eternal life. Father, I pray that that's not a message that we just keep uh, contained in our own life, in our own heart. But uh, God, I pray that we would uh, be bold in our faith to share that, to speak the truth. God, that people would come to know who you are. Help us now to remember the sacrifice that was made for us. May we sacrifice more for you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.